This episode of the EDM podcast is brought to you by EDM Foundations. If you're a new producer and you're stuck with tutorials and you're not sure where to go, EDM Foundations might be the answer. We've had over 4,800 producers join and level up their foundational skills by practically making four pro-level tracks rather than learning a bunch of theory and concept. So if you want to stop wasting time and nail your music, head to edmprod.com slash edm-foundations. That's edmprod.com slash edm-foundations. Welcome everybody to the EDM Podcast. This is a show where we interview artists, producers, and basically anybody who has something to say in the world of electronic music. My name is Aiden Russell, aka Artsy. I'm your host, and today we are joined by Christian, aka the, aka the Fat Rat. How's it going, man? <laughs> going fantastic, thanks. Awesome, man. And so just a brief little intro um, for those of you out there who aren't familiar with the Fat Rat. So you're, uh, I would say, a multi-genre electronic music producer from Germany. Um, You're known for your unique approach to releasing where you often lift copyright restrictions on your music, allowing them to be used on platforms like YouTube without those restrictions and much more. And as a result, you've, uh, you know, abounded in streams i would say and and plays on youtube and you've got quite a loyal following you know you've got millions if not billions of streams on spotify i think now it's gotten up pretty high and you've gotten sync deals with games like dota 2 and rocket league so that's a little brief um intro to you man um but yeah uh you've obviously had quite a uh long career i'd say as well over the, the last few years it's it's and it's grown pretty consistently um but I'd love to hear from your perspective, like your background in music, how you got into this whole thing in the first place, and then we can, yeah, kind of unpack that. Yes. Yeah, so originally, I wanted to become a music producer, uh, just producing other artists. So it wasn't about me mm. as an artist at all. Um, yeah. And so I had a long, I grew up making music. So in general, music has always been like my thing. Um yeah, but at some point I was kind of frustrated with the music industry. I was in Los Angeles for three years, mm. uh, produced all okay. sorts of artists. Uh, I was producing some K-pop. I was uh, working with uh, Lupe Fiasco, for example, on his album, which went number one on Billboard ch- uh, Hip Hop charts. Wow, was even nominated for a Grammy. Um, diff- a lot of different things. Wow. Still um, in yeah. Los Angeles, I was kind of frustrated because some sometimes are some of the best songs I made in that time were never released. And some songs that wow. were not so good were released simply because they were, were made with the right people. And the other thing sure. was that a lot of people um, talked into my music production. I mean, of course, you have the artist <laughs> where you work with. Yeah, then you have yeah. an A&R and you have another A&R and then you have the management and then you have the uh, president and you have the publisher and everybody has an opinion and everybody wants you to change stuff. And sometimes I had yeah. songs that were great at the beginning but not so good in the end. And at some point, my wife was actually telling me, Chris, you should be the artist. You should you should yeah. make the decisions and you should self-release. Yeah, that's, that's how it started. And that's that's where wow. I'm coming from. But I was like music producer for 10 years before. Wow. So you, you've come from, yeah, the opposite world. Because I think a lot of, you know, producers maybe start with like producing for themselves and then go in the other way to kind of producing for other artists but yeah you've come from that world and kind of frustrated with the way it works decided you know what i'm gonna make my own music and and just do it that way that's super interesting so 
you're obviously from Germany originally and you were over in LA for a little while. Was that at the same time? Did you like move back or what happened in terms of like when you decided to focus on your own stuff? No, first it was like a side project because you cannot yep. plan a career I mean, some people probably can. I, I'm not able to like plan a music career. I was just the only thing I was good in was simply, you know, making music, and that was it. So I yeah. just put out stuff on SoundCloud. Uh, I made an EP. Mm. I put it on SoundCloud, and it didn't blew up right away. But what happened is that a band and another artist and a management reached out to me, say like, "Hey, this is amazing. We should work together." So I made another remi- So I made a remix for a, a band from New York called The Knox. They're really great oh, guys, yeah. by the way. Definitely check them out. Um, and that went number nine, I think, on Hype Machine back then, which was a huge thing. And then I had a remix yeah, request, request from Faster the People. And I made a remix for them, wow. which I ended up releasing as a bootleg remix, but it hit number one on Hype Machine. Then I made a bootleg remix wow. two weeks later for Avicii's Levels back then, which was 2012. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it also hit number one on Hype Machine. So that's yeah. how it started. So then the momentum started growing. And in that year, 2012, I had 10 top 10 on Hype Machine uh, remixes in wow. a row. So not a single remix failed to hit uh, the top 10 on Hype Machine. Um, yeah, so then I was like, okay, cool. This might be an alternative. But then um, I wanted to move back like for family reasons uh, to Göttingen, which is a small town in the middle of Germany. Um, and then I honestly didn't really know what to do there. <laughs> Um, yeah, but right. I started to, you know, give originals a shot and just say, okay, let's, yeah. I'm in the middle of nowhere. And then I, I also cut off all connections that I had. I cut off my connections to the management, uh, to the publisher I had. I was completely alone in the, <laughs> in the small village wow. in Germany and simply put out original songs. And I was simply lucky that they blew up like crazy. The first, uh, that really blew up was unity, which has like over 200 million plays now. And then windfall mm. was next. And Xenogenesis once again, hit number one on hype machine. Yeah. That's, that's when the, my own artist career really took off. And then I also stopped yeah. completely stopped producing for other people at that time. Wow. Okay. So it, it was more of a slow transition, um, in terms of like, you know, making it your career i say like i would say like yeah you you kind of were still doing that a little bit and then once it was kind of more you know getting gaining momentum is that kind of when you went all in with the fat rat yeah yeah exactly and mm. it was a conflict at times especially in the uh, la time because i had business partners i had people i was working with everybody was like hey you should do this mm. i was like no i want to do my own thing and some people were pretty mad at me but yeah at some points you have some times you just have to make important decisions totally that's actually something interesting to dive into because i mean maybe not in the exact same situation as you but i think a lot of people listening to this maybe you know have another you know job or a career in something else and they want to kind of pursue an artist career of their own um but like you know obviously it's it, there's a lot of factors to consider before you dive straight into something like that uh you know very competitive etc so like yeah, like what was it like overcoming those, I guess, uh, things that you already had in place? Um, because I think, yeah, a lot of people would, would gain a lot to hear from your perspective on that. Uh, yet I think it needs some courage. At some point mm. you have to bring up the courage and say, okay, I'm just going to go all in 
um, yeah. which I literally did, did when I was in Germany. I remember I had a request for, I decided, okay, I'm going to do the fat right now. I'm just fully yeah. going to focus on that. And then two weeks later, I had a request. Hey, I could produce a big name artist from Germany. Um, and they had, it would take wow. about a month. I would get around 10K payment for it, which by that, then was really good money for me and would really made me feel safe. And I said no. Yeah. And I think that was one of the important steps because at some point you have to say, okay, yeah, I, I'm just going to uh, take the leap, you know. Yeah, yeah. Say no, even if it if it feels good in the moment to like, have that extra boost, but then you know focus on what's better for you long term. Yeah, yeah, that's good. It, yeah, simply try make it. Try make it that failure is acceptable, maybe. So I was like, okay, I was, yeah. I said at that time, I said, okay, I'm going to give myself one year. I had enough monies that I could say, okay, even if, if nothing works within one year, then I can, I'll find something else. So failure wasn't, mm. kind of was an option, which took the, the mm. pressure from me. And sometimes I think, so sometimes I think when you go, for a music career, you realize, if you really think about it, that even if it doesn't work, it's not the end of the world. So sometimes when you mm. when you really feel like it, maybe just go in and say, okay, there's I give myself a limited amount of time. I'm just going to go all in. Mm. And then if it doesn't work, then, then it doesn't work. And then I'm going to look for something else. And I, by the way, did this when I started as a producer. I gave myself a seven-year mm. time frame. I remember right, I right. was 23 years old by that time. I said, mm. okay, if by 35, when I'm 35 years, no, no, what, uh, what I'm saying, no. No, I was 27 years old already. That, that was it. Oh, uh, okay. I said, if I'm 35, if I'm 35 years old and I still cannot make a living from uh, music, then I'm going to do something else. Yeah, that's cool. I think definitely, yeah, taking the pressure off and allowing yourself to fail is key. I had the experience where I put too much pressure on myself and all it does is like not help you actually achieve those things anyway. Yep. Like it just makes you more like, you know, anxious or or frustrated because it's like you you want things to happen your way, but it doesn't happen. But yeah, if you allow things, I mean, because really like there's so many, as you mentioned previously, like factors that go into whether your song is going to blow up or not and you can't really control all of them all the time really so it is good to like allow there to be room for error i think is um yeah absolutely yeah, crucial and, when you're growing your and career super boring advice save money but it's it's yeah so, yeah for me it's been so important um yep. simply that you if if you say okay something's not working uh you you know your plans are not working out that, that you're like okay cool i'm gonna go try it again and i know some people who thought it would be a good idea to keep the pressure up so they would make a lot of money they would spend all the money so they think it keeps right. going. but once you something doesn't work then you're so stressed out and completely um kind of destroys you can get you really fast i'm very conservative about money and that makes i think makes life easier <laughs> totally oh yeah i'd 100 percent agree like having a safety net, like, you know, being being a bit wise with like when you do it, like, you know, if you're broke and you're leaving your job, maybe maybe save up a bit first before you do it and then give yourself that time so you're not, yeah, pressured to uh, immediately go back to it. So, yeah, I 100% stand behind yeah. that as well. And also when you have some success, then it's great time to to build, you know, 
some yeah. some uh, or to save some some money. As soon as you have to start saving as not as much as you can, but a decent, really decent amount of money, because then you you mm. can be laid back when some stuff doesn't work. You're like, okay, cool, no problem. Let's just keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I won't I won't talk about it for too long because I feel like it's a topic that everyone's talked about a lot in the last two years. But like, I think COVID is a great example of that. You know, with if if you're an artist, um, maybe who is more reliant on shows for income? I mean, obviously, if you you I mean, I imagine. You a lot of your income does come from the streaming world as well, yeah. but yeah, if you do have that, you know, other thing like those times are great to have a bit of a buffer room as well. I'd imagine so. Um, yeah, I think that's a great example of something that can happen that disrupts the music yes. industry. So, yeah, um, that's awesome, man. Well, no, appreciate those thoughts. Want to switch it up a bit, um, and yeah, I guess you know, as I mentioned in the intro, your an artist who's very much known for your unique approach to like, yeah, copyright lifting and, and like, you know, making making your music available to be used in, you know, video content or, you know, other things like that without that, you know, monetization factor impacting other people. And I think, you know, this is a path very few have taken, especially at the scale I think you've done it at. Um, and I'm curious to ask first, why did you decide to do that early on? Like, what was the initial spark that made you like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna not go down this route of just monetizing everything and trying to squeeze everything out of, you know, every song I release, but actually make it openly available. Like, why did you decide to do that? The main reason when I started fully doing the Fat Rat um, for me mm. was simply that I enjoy making music so much and that I really wanted to share yeah. it. So. Cutting off all those relationships to publishers and labels and managements it was so liberating. And it mm. felt almost like a rebellion and a liberation to me to say, you know what? Now I can give my music to everybody. Right? Because before mm. it was everybody was like, hey, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. You have to, you know, everybody was like cutting into it and then also yeah. protecting it. And I had weird. I had such weird experiences. For example, I, was, I made an official remix for Chris Brown. And there mm. was a time when my music blew up on music blogs. I made this official remix. I never heard when the release it would be. And at some point, some people contacted me. Hey, I, I heard your song on this blog. Where can I get it? And it was like, oh, it's out. Interesting. And I did some research mm. and I found out it was released in the UK, but not in ah. the rest of the world, on, on iTunes. So, and wow, then blogs weird, started yeah. writing about it and people wanted to get it, but they couldn't because for some reason the record label decided it's a good idea to start releasing in some countries and not in the rest of the world. And those, yeah. I had a couple of those experiences. It was so annoying. I was like, people want to listen to the music, <laughs> okay? I made this mu- yeah. I made music so people can listen to it. So let them, <laughs> okay? So, that is, yeah, that yeah. was so liberating when I was, okay, it's my music. I'm just going to put it up by myself. And you know what? Everybody mm. can copy it. Everybody can share it. Everybody can remix it. I also put out the stems. And, yeah, it was very much a, um artistic freedom, uh, if you will. Um, so that was yeah, one wow. reason. And also the other reason, like, for example, on YouTube back then, you could, if... So you could, I think you could only claim the entire video, right? So yeah, somebody would make so, a video, yeah. 10 minutes, and use my music 20 seconds as background music in the intro. And then I would come along and say, okay, thank you. That entire video now belongs to me. That didn't make any sense to me. Um, mm. 
So then people were asking me, why are you not claiming the video? And I would answer like, why would I claim the video? Like, because someone uses 20 seconds of my music. Yeah, so yeah. those were a couple of uh, reasons where it really wasn't an option for me. Like, well, that's totally, I, I enjoyed it and it would be totally weird for me to claim, go around and claim everything just because people use some music as background music. Mm. Yeah, because that was the era when it really kind of came in and the whole content ID system was, you know, cracking down on, you know, people using songs yeah. on YouTube. And I think it was a bit of a frustrating time um, especially for like, you know, channels or whatever who um, just, you know, were making, you know, whether it's video game content or whatever and just, yeah, wanted to use their favorite song in the background. But then it's like the whole video gets, you know, not not only demonetized if they're running ads, but also just like taken down completely, which, yeah, which, yeah, is a frustrating thing. I mean, it's a frustrating thing for like even myself as a DJ still to this day. It's like if I'm just like, doing a fun DJ mix, you know, for my fans, kind of like, you know, spreading spreading the songs around and, and promoting them, giving them almost, I guess you could say free promotion. That's not necessarily the point. It's like still that video gets like claimed. And while it's like a percentage now, I think it's still like annoying because your whole thing gets muted or whatever. So mm -hmm. there is definitely a pain point there. And I think you kind of flipped that around and, and kind of made it work to your advantage instead of, yeah, frustrating lots of people. So it's really cool. Yeah, what's important for me is that I'm not against copyright by any means. I think it's really important. Yeah. And for a long time, yeah. I mean, I saw studios going bankrupt because of all the music piracy in the early 2000s. Um, wow. And people were like, yeah, it's this is like freedom and it's against the content mafia and weird stuff like that. Where I was like, yeah. no, it's, people are working to make the music and they deserve to be paid for it. But sure. now you know uh, ten, about 10 years later the entire thing flipped the other way around uh, that now yeah. um record labels had the means to you know claim everything and they 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 went totally overboard with that again and i had offers mm. from company companies that told me they wanted to pay me like huge advantage like like half a million advance or so if only they would get to claim my my videos on youtube and they promised me to like make me even way more money and because they are have this amazing claiming tool and stuff and yeah today you see what what those tools do like some people they just talk about a song and their entire video gets claimed so yeah, I, that's crazy. That's crazy. Or like sing sing a song with like their mouth or whatever, and it's like yeah. <laughs> like five notes, and your your video's blocked, and you get a strike, and it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it is, man. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, because it's like copyright is obviously. Yeah, I totally agree with you. It's not a bad thing. It's just like how is it exploited, and like yeah. you know, where does it become unhelpful to like you know people who are you know a lot, a lot of cases even using the song fairly like by you know even even legal standards i think but just because the system is acting that way it, it does become frustrating uh so it definitely is like a balancing act like how do you you know allow people to make the money they deserve to make without you know restricting the freedom of like people just wanting to use your song in a pretty fair way so it is yeah. definitely i think it's an ongoing it's an ongoing battle as well because yes you know it's it's it happened it happens on pretty much every platform now not just youtube and stuff it's like facebook and it will, Instagram, it will always be 
Yeah, it will yeah. always be uh, because technology is evolving. Um, yep. Copyrights are evolving. Also with like what what counts as stealing somebody's song, uh, for example. Mm -hmm. I think it gets really way more problematic because, you know, yeah. the laws, they're like decades old when you had like a couple of writers in a country and that was pretty much it. Now you have, I yeah. think, over 80,000 songs per day released on Spotify alone. You have like 12 notes. Yeah. So it's pretty... Um, uh, 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 it can happen very easily that you, knew, uh, that you use a small phrase or something that somebody else has used before. Um, yes. you know, so, so those thing, things as well, I think that there are also some problems on the horizon with that as well. Because you know, with mm. so much, so many people releasing so much music, and everything's connected, and everybody knows each other's songs or can hear them. Um, yeah, you never know if somebody on the other end of the world, probably five years ago, one of the millions, and millions, and millions of songs were released, used that same melody snippet. Exactly. Yeah, I think I saw some video the other day where it was like splice A and R issues or something, where some oh, record yeah. label owner. Yeah, some record label owner got two demos that used the exact same like splice vocal sample, like pretty much unedited, like just, you know, top line yeah. thrown in over the top sort of thing. And it was like, like how many songs are getting released where it's like just that, like, I mean, you know, whilst I feel like people are in their right to do that, it is royalty free samples and stuff like that. It's like, yeah, that's going to become an issue when this person says, but this sounds like my song, but it's my song. It's like, well, it's neither. Yeah, see, it, you, know, you, you get copyright claims. Yeah. We had that before on my label, the Arcadium. I don't use like splice samples, <laughs> put them like the entire mel uh, vocal melody in right away. But some people did. Yeah. At the beginning, we didn't ask, right? We were, oh, this is a nice song, great production, let's put it out there. And boom, we got a copyright yeah. claim on our video. And we were like, for people, you can use it for free. And those people got a copyright claim as well. And we were like, oh, what happened? Noticing, okay, it's just, there's a vocal splice sample in it and somebody else used it, put that one into a copyright claim system. And yeah, now you, you're getting claims on that and then you have to figure it out. Mm. But at least now I know the head of content ID and at YouTube personally. Um, so oh, good. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah, it's like really cool. him or her a text message. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And it's, I have to say, they do what they they really do what they can um, to solve those problems. They're in between. I mean, they don't yeah. really care, and the, they kind of really care. They don't have an advantage from either side. They just try to make it as good as possible. But mm. talking to him and everything, I see how difficult that is because you know, put yourself into the other, like into the 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 seat of the person where the copyright gets infringed, right? Your song gets used on somewhere else and somebody's not, you know, simply sampling yeah. your entire song that you know you wrote. And so now you need a system, you know, to, to protect your copyright. Yeah, So you totally. Right. But then on the other hand, you use something fairly and then you get false claims. So yeah, they are always in between. Yeah. So it's really difficult to do. Mm. There, it's definitely going to be a yeah on ongoing evol evolution to that landscape. I think it'll be uh, yeah definitely interesting to see how it evolves in the next five to ten years for sure. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, switching up again. Um, another thing I really like about your music. Um, 
obviously you're quite inspired by like video games and stuff like that. Like, are you, are you a gamer yourself? Like, do you, is that a world you've come from? Yes, especially come from. So yeah. especially as a child, I was a crazy gamer. I like yeah. uh, NES, uh, Master System, Game Boy, Super Nintendo, uh, Genesis or Mega yeah. Drive, as we call it in Germany and so on and so forth. I even had a Neo Geo uh in the 90s so wow. i was like really crazy gamer these days i don't game that much anymore simply because of time reasons um yeah but i still mostly with my daughter these day just already played some awesome. mario kart this morning <laughs> oh that's awesome yeah gotta gotta pass those classic games down i think there's like something special yes. about some of those games. yes yeah yeah, I was like a Super Nintendo guy growing up. I was like a little younger. I got the suit my Super Nintendo passed down to me by my cousins who were a bit older and then Nintendo mm-hmm. 64 and yeah, that kind of thing. So I definitely come from a little bit of that world as well. But um, yeah, I can definitely hear the influence, which is really cool. One thing I really appreciate about your music as well is like you take that into the context of like electronic music and it's unashamedly like, like a lot like across a lot of your music i would say it's unashamedly like positive like and it just feels nice to listen to i don't know like i feel like a lot of people in in the world of electronic music are trying to be very serious all the time with the way they write music their approach to the production and songwriting you know everyone loves minor keys and not that minor keys are bad or anything yeah i think we all know i I, I get what you mean yeah, I feel like you just have an unashamed approach to the to the the happiness in your music, if that makes sense. Yeah. Is that like yeah, sure. intentional as well? Uh, I I find it hard to take anything too serious. You know, I, I yeah, <laughs> and I find it so weird when people take themselves serious and think it's cool because I totally think it's not. Yeah, right. You're just right. a stupid human being. We all know so little about this world. Um, we have such small, like, like we're just getting pushed around by randomness and, and luck, you know, through our lives. And a few decades later, we are dead. And then we run around yeah. like we know everything. We are so cool. We are so awesome. I think it's may- maybe it's also a little bit a matter of age because I'm 42 sure. and you get a little different perspective when you get older. You like how you, you yeah. realize more about how r- ridiculous everything is. And the more you get, also the more I got, like, for example, in the music industry and into industries and in general and looking behind the scenes and stuff, you realize how chaotic everything is. Yeah. So I just cannot take myself too serious and I cannot take anything else too serious. So um, I think it comes a little bit from that. I really, I could not take myself like literally serious like it's yeah. means so much what i'm doing because i'm this grandiose artist it's so stupid yeah. and especially sure some artists that passed the test of time they were just sitting there and you know and doing their job like bach or mozart yep. or those guys they were like oh i'm this genius artist they were just they're a very common man you know and um, they mm. just try to make good music, so that's that's what I do. And then those, you know, those happy songs—they just happen. I don't yeah. plan them, so I just sit down. Yeah. And I do. I make songs, and sometimes I try to make a cool trap beat. For example, my song "Windfall" that started as a trap song, mm. and it's yeah. like super happy and playful and stuff. Um, and then you know, I, I play around with it, and sometimes I just have to smile like, "Well, this is co- totally not what I, what I intended." 
but I yeah. had to smile all the time and like I want to jump up and dance. So yeah, maybe maybe somebody else will like it. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. No, I think I think you're right. Like it definitely is important not to take take it too seriously. Um, I was gonna say I mean, you, you, uh, everybody can take themselves serious, but I personally find it ridiculous. Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. I, I feel like it, a sure. level of detail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like a level of detachment. Um, I don't know if this is something something you find as well, but like once the music's out there as well, like I, I mean, this is what I do. I don't know if it's the same for you. I like try and kind of have a level of detachment with the music because, you know, when I was a newer producer, I was a lot younger. I would kind of just put music out there and people would be like, oh, I don't like this or whatever. It's like, and I would take so much of that on board personally as like a personal yeah. attack. But now it's kind of like now I if my music's out there, it's like I like it, sure, and it's it represents what I like and and it's my sound and it's personal, yeah. But at the same time, if someone says something about it, I'm kind of like whatever, like not I'm not going to take that as like my value, you know. Yeah, I don't know if you find exactly. the same thing. Yeah, exactly. And I, I also think this like taking yourself too serious is a way into, you know, this mental health problems like depression mm. and anxiety and all those things. You know, we yeah, like yep. I said, we, we we're gonna die anyway. Death is a. It's also funny because as playful as my songs may be, like in the lyrics, death mm. is a recurring uh, thing. And I think yep. death is very liberating because you know we're gonna die. So, mm. so why take it too serious? It's gonna be over very soon, and nobody will care. It's just gonna be dust, and future generations. That's so funny. <laughs> it's so funny. I was literally like um, trying to like sort out my life insurance today, and uh-huh. then I was like. It's so funny that you mentioned this. And I was talking to my wife before I record this. I'm like, oh, whatever. Who cares? Like, I'm not even going to get that. You're not even going to get that much if I die. Like, whatever. <laughs> like, it was so funny because they, like, don't even give you that much for, like, yeah. my age when you die. It's like, what's the point? Um, anyway, it's just funny that you're mentioning that now. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's true. Like, you know, it, it, it is a perspective. Honestly, though, it's a perspective realigner because it's like, you know, it it's like you can't control that it's inevitable and you know i think you know it can completely change your approach to something like music production where it's like okay i'm just going to enjoy this i'm going to make the most of it while i have the chance rather than freaking out about every play or freaking out about every you know did i get this much money on this release or did i get what i wanted from this release it's like whatever you know you yeah. kind of do it and enjoy the ride and there, there's this uh, very interesting um, cognitive bias. I love studying mm-hmm. cognitive biases. And one is that we Same. always yeah. think way too much that, that, that people notice us. So there's those yes. experiments like you, you put people in a group with a T-shirt and it says like some weird stuff on it, uh, like yeah. some offensive uh, text or something and then you put them in the group yeah. and then you let them guess how much people noticed that text and then you ask everybody else who noticed the text and you, you see a huge difference so when you're wearing the t-shirt you think everybody thinks something about you but actually everybody's mostly busy thinking about themselves um and yeah. i think this is a part of it too so we take it you know 
also the music and what re was really weird for me the more i think like that that i think actually nobody really cares about my music because even even if you like have a, like big fan base you have like you know millions of listeners and i have like a couple million streams every mm. day you know it's just i always think of it that most if if i would take the song down there would probably be a handful of people who would bother about it the other was oh the song's missing <laughs> Okay, so I'm just gonna put something else there. Yeah. So it's yeah, not that sure. it's not that important, you know. But what I find weird is the more I think about that, the more people actually f take my music serious. Um, yeah. Right. Right. So it's yeah. So so probably even even helps. Um, yeah, getting forward in, in that sense. And also, what I yeah, think is, is, I mean, yeah. we think about this big achievements, but they also very forgotten very soon i think the biggest like the biggest thing mm -hmm. you could reach as a musician is probably that 100 years from now people in school will be bored with your music because people are like, oh you have to study the music that was like 100 <laughs> years ago there here's the pattern of everybody will be like, oh no i want to listen to whatever's new now so so this is the biggest yeah. thing you can reach in your life so awesome so you know <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like yeah that's so true even like even, I feel like it happens even with like even a few generation a generation ago like you know when your parents like I love 80s music for example because um, I was born in the 90s but uh, you know my parents played a lot of 70s and 80s music and I was just like okay like whatever <laughs> you know yeah. like it's cool but like I, I kind of want to listen to this artist that like has just put a song out you know yesterday yeah. or whatever when I was especially especially when I was young so yeah I, I think that's that's true like there is definitely it's not like I think it's that thing of fame doesn't always equal like you know a positive response you can be like really famous and then people are like oh whatever you know like annoyed with you so it's it's yeah it's exactly. all funny the and then the also day. the fame yeah. will be gone at some point you know it's yeah all, yeah it's all going to be lost no it's so true I think um yeah definitely death is a perspective realigner for sure man. yeah I love that I love it when we get into these topics, which are like, you know, not really related to music, but they definitely apply to it. Like, especially people who are wanting to make music and put it out and stuff like that. So I think it's, it's for me, it's yeah. like the most important. Those are the most, most important things. Yeah. So it's because that's, yeah. everything builds on those fundamental philosophical thoughts where like, okay, this is what I actually want in life. This is what I, why I'm doing it. Mm. And when you have that clear for yourself then everything mm. else builds on it. Yeah. Makes me wonder like how many artists out there actually would have chosen to be artists if they had answered those kind of questions or <laughs> thought about those things enough. Because I'm like, I'd imagine there'd be a lot of artists who probably were like, oh, I'm just doing this because the lifestyle or the fame or something. And it's like, you know, some some people would say and argue against me, you know, people are like entitled to pursue whatever they want. And sure, like there's 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 a degree of truth to that but i feel like you know at the same time there is a there's a degree of like what actually matters to you is it a good motive and then maybe if it's not then try and find something else that actually aligns with what you like because yeah. <laughs> yeah because i yeah do feel i do wonder that sometimes so um yeah it's a it's a definitely a rabbit hole topic for me as well <laughs> uh it's good man um wanting to yeah go back to your music for a bit as well. One thing I wanted to ask is 
With your releases, so you kind of alluded to this earlier, do you release, you have your own label that you release through now, is that right? Yes, yeah, the Arcadium. And how long have you, yeah, the Arcadium, yeah, awesome. And how long have you been doing that for now? Like, because I've noticed you released through another label for a lot of your singles a while back and stuff like that. So, yeah. Do you want to dive into so so how I you changed the name of the label so so uh, oh, okay. I started chain uh, releasing self releasing my originals in 2013 so so mm. it's been a while but I back then I didn't yeah. even put stuff on Spotify and Apple Music I just put it on YouTube <laughs> so, so I don't know if it should be called a label and then yeah right yeah but 2013 2014 15 was then I in 2005 spring 2015 I also started putting my stuff on Apple Music and Spotify through TuneCore. Right, yeah. If yeah, if you want to call that a yeah. label, yes, that's a, yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. It, it was a slow transition from have owning a SoundCloud uh, channel to uh, having a full label with accounting and everything. It just was sure slow transition. Yeah, nice, nice. Was that like one of those things as well kind of tied in with like the, you know, I guess to call it, you could call it rebellion against like the traditional way of, you know, releasing with the copyright side of things as well. Was the decision to self-release around that time as well part of that, like coming from the background of working with producers and artists and A&Rs and, and that kind of world, was was that tied in with that? Yes, yeah, self-releasing definitely. That was definitely yeah. a thing where I said, like, and also one thing I really noticed, I had a, I also had a huge uh, hit in France in 2010, and I know somebody who had another worldwide smash, and I realized that when art, when artists really blow up, it's usually the music, it's just the music, it's not so much the label work and not so much the promotion and all those things are very limited. I saw so many, mm. so much stuff that was promoted really well, which was a huge priority. It just didn't work. And I saw so much stuff that blew up massively with no promotion at all. So one thing I said to myself, okay, if mm. I ever have a song that blows up, it would be perfect. It would just be me as an artist and on my label, nobody else would be involved. So then I would like own everything, which is exactly what happens. And exactly. money-wise, it makes a huge difference. For example, when you you know have all those songs and I own them 100% and even a lot of stuff, a lot of songs are even written 100% by me and there's nobody else involved in the entire thing because I had songs that were done, that were released with my business partner back then in LA and then we had another um, yeah. uh, production team as well to to get to the artist the artist wrote we had top liners I ended up while I produced big parts of the track I ended up owning like 2.5% in the on the writing of the track wow. just because you know it was so many people involved and then you it's okay Big name top liner takes 50%, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, artist takes another 25%. Then you have the left, you have four producers uh, taking, uh, splitting of the other 25%. And then you have your publisher as well, and so on and so forth. And you end up with like such small percentages. And then the songs even don't perform that well. They're like released through a major, but they're like doing okay. And, yeah, and you're making like, you know, small money. <laughs> Yeah, that's that is crazy. I, I suppose in that world as well with a major label, you know, I mean, probably more for the 
the top line artists and stuff is like i don't know if this is something you experienced as the producer but like the whole other thing of advances it's like you you're getting like a 2.5 percent you know royalty rate or whatever plus sometimes even paying back money you got given at the start before you even start to make that back so i mean i don't know if that's how you worked a lot of the time or if it was just a flat rate kind of for you but that's another thing to consider um for those yeah sometimes <laughs> sometimes sometimes i got like advances for the production as well um yeah but sure. those advances in my opinion advances are really convenient for managers so people who manage artists people who manage yes. uh, producers because the money comes in late right you 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 produce the song then you place it and then it takes time until it's released and then it takes even longer until the money comes to the record label and it takes even longer until the money money re finally reaches the people who actually made the music which is okay but it's annoying for a manager because the manager has a like you know they have contracts and they run out after two years and they're probably just like you know nine months left within the contract and you don't know if the producer's gonna um uh, uh keep working with you but you know okay yeah. if you just place the song there then the money will come in a year and i'm not never going to see a single cent from that so for managers especially for managers advances are really convenient but you have uh, mm. from that perspective you also have to be really careful with your managers um yeah, yeah because advances are really attractive especially when you are an, an artist um because yeah. what can work i'm not saying every manager is like there are like huge differences in managers there are huge differences in record yeah. labels but what i seen yeah. happen is um incredibly shitty record deals but they get signed because um they pay big advances right yeah. and the management for the management it's very convenient because they get a lot of money and then they have a record mm. label where whenever problems arise they can send the artist to the record label that okay cool your, your label is going to take care of that yeah uh, yeah, yeah but then okay five years later the artist is still stuck with it with the label d and can do nothing so yeah you got to be really yeah. careful with that as an artist you have to check your agreements yourself because some managements make agreements that are beneficial for them, which is a huge advance. And they do not care yeah. so much about what's going to happen in a couple of years for you as an artist. That's a very good point. Yeah. Considering the ulterior motives of those others, the others around you sometimes. Cause yeah, I mean, artists definitely feel like the cliche is that like they don't stand up for themselves in those environments cause they don't feel qualified to, but it definitely yeah. helps to have a little bit of confidence and be like, no, you know, like I, you know, ask the question in a polite way, at least, you know, be like, actually, why can't we do this? You know? And maybe just a negotiation is what needs to happen and you can figure something out there. But yeah. You know, I run a record label, um, an independent one, and a guy came up to me. We're releasing a history on a compilation. You know, we do we do fifty fifty with all of our artists, um, just for the master, and you know, we don't take publishing. And he was like, "Oh, can we do something else?" And we had that negotiation, but it was like, you know, he was very polite about it. Whereas, you know, I've worked with. Uh, well, actually, I haven't really worked with other people, but I've heard other people who've had horror stories of just people who've been notoriously difficult to work with. So you don't want to be that artist who's always trying to, like, you know, be a frustration to other people, but you also just do want to stand up for yourself. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's it definitely pays to have that bit of confidence, I think. Yeah, yeah, you should understand what everything means. That's even more important mm. and understand the long-term consequences of everything you're signing. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, what does it mean to own if they own the lifetime copyright of the song? Like, exactly, is that good? Is that bad in this situation? Because it could be either. You know, like depending on the agreement. So yeah, asking those questions is is definitely important. Um, and yeah, so it's definitely um, whether you're and and you know. I would actually like to ask your thoughts on this because you obviously do a lot of self-releasing. Like, do you think for, you know, artists out there who are kind of wanting to grow, do you think that they should just self-release everything or do you think there is a time and place to work with a label, external label? Uh, I think especially when you're starting, uh, it makes a lot of sense to release with an indie label. Yeah. Um, Simply... Indie labels, yeah. Yeah, because you're starting at zero, (laughs) right? And it's yeah. difficult to get the initial exposure. And still later, yeah. I mean, t- two years ago, I still released with uh, Monster Cat, for example. And uh, it's yeah. great. I, it's Also, it's just personally awesome to have a team around you, an established team in a community, which I re- very yeah. much enjoyed with Monster Cat. Um, yeah. So this is not, it's just a, a human aspect. It feels can feel kind of lonely when you do everything by yourself. Um, for sure yeah but also business-wise in the beginning definitely makes sense and i even think there are moments where it makes sense to work with a major label for some artists for me personally the best example is bella porch right yeah she yeah famous tiktok famous but not really a musician and i think what the major label did with her was genius they you know they find they found the right song for her they made sure everything yeah. was produced properly. They put up together marketing campaign and everything. I don't. I don't think she could have done anything like that herself, or a indie label could have pulled that off. That's a typical yes uh, 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 thing where even major label makes sense. So so yeah, you have to you, you have to know about it. But the more you yeah. you're established as an artist, and the more you have your own following, the more you're blowing up already, the less sense it makes to sign with a label. So what really doesn't make sense if if you have a song and it blows up like crazy to give it to a label, don't do it. Seriously, don't do it. Mm. Because you'll have then, you'll have all the labels coming after you. And so you, and sometimes it happens before you even see the first money. And I heard stories about this. So like song blows up, makes like uh, 500,000 plays on Spotify every day. Right, and then you have the vultures mm. <laughs> coming in, and everybody's like trying to to get a big piece of the cake as fast as possible, and they're gonna throw advances at you, and you, you'll probably yeah. yeah, you probably have a management that thinks like, wow, one million advances, that's two hundred k for me, amazing, let's do it, and mm. and then the the label takes eighty percent of your song, and in the end, you lose like four million or whatever it might be over the next couple next couple of years. Yeah, and you're probably sure. tied in a, in a long-term agreement where they even have options. You know, they're like, okay, they have an option for three other songs or they even have an album option, which means if they say, you know, they take the song, they say, okay, now you have to produce an album for your advance. Yeah, we already paid you a million. Uh, yeah, and yeah, you're stuck in yeah. the deal. And I knew, I knew a lot of artists that were stuck in major, major label deals and they all they wanted is to get out of the deal. Sometimes they yeah. even had to pay for it to only to yeah. be able to self-release their own songs again. Hmm. And it can happen with some of the bigger independents too. I've heard, yes. I've heard similar stories, like especially, you know, the, the big names in a certain genre or whatever can, can sometimes be like that. So, um, yeah, it's just something to generally speaking, if you're working with a label to definitely keep an eye on. Um, yeah. 
Just make, man. Uh, what I think makes sense is when you're, like I said, when you're starting, especially with unreleased songs, that's a different situation, right? Where you're starting or you're small, mm -hmm. your song's unreleased, do a track by track, deal with the label. There's not so much you can do wrong in that case. So that that's definitely something to consider. For sure, man. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, wanted to also talk about um, your production side of things too. Um, and how in your process, especially with your new album um, Parallax coming um, came out this year, correct? Yeah, that was this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so I would love to hear, um, and every, everyone can go check that out. The link for that will be in the show notes for this episode. Um, I would love to hear your like production pro process behind that album. There was a there's a few collaborations on there as well. Like, yeah, what was the overall experience like making that? um chaotic as usual yeah <laughs> <So laughs> for me creativity is very chaotic. it's i usually just follow my my well if i wanted to phrase it friendly i would say i follow my intuition uh maybe it's rather i just yeah. follow whatever just you know is fun for me but i think in the end yeah if it's fun for me it's probably more likely to be fun for other people um, I yeah. needed a little bit of discipline to sit down and finish an, a complete album. Um, yeah. Yeah, but pff, I don't know. It's um, I learned a lot. I don't even know if I'm going to do another album just because it needs more right. discipline. And at some point in time, you have to be like, okay, going to like finish those songs now because I planned them. But I don't know. I'm working on more music at the moment. or I, I Right now, I'm not because I'm moving, but uh, I sure. have been working and kind of continue very soon but yeah, yeah. other than that for, yeah, for me music production is very chaotic i have to admit that's fair Just enough chaotic. yeah but you know i i have to say for that i spent 10 years being super disciplined right i would like start sure. a song finish the song because yeah I, I was working for record labels and everybody's okay we need this okay i'm gonna do this i'm gonna sit down and do this da, 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 da. it was like a machine everybody was yeah. like hey you're a music production machine chris funny wow. thing is success came when i flipped that because i moved back to germany and i thought okay i'm just gonna pursue my own career but i had enough money from the productions that i made and I came back, and first I was like, okay, I'm just going to play video games. I'm going to play Skyrim and just immerse myself into the Elder Scrolls. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that yeah, got nice. boring at some point. But I was just producing only when I felt it, right? When I didn't feel like sure. producing music, I didn't. I just played video games. Or I would go yeah. for a walk, which I did a lot. Um, yeah. And interestingly, that gave me such uh, so much more success. And when you think about yep. it, yep, I mean, probably well, makes sense when you have fun making music, probably people will have fun listening to it rather than when you stress yourself yeah. out making music, maybe not so many people are going to enjoy it. So that's kind of my that's strategy that it kind of it takes me discipline to get back to it. I get back into the old rut of trying to be a music production machine. Yeah, right. Yeah, so it takes for me, it takes discipline to say, no, I'm just gonna do what feels great yeah that's maybe the biggest challenge even with producing the album and producing general that's the challenge just more get into your feelings more get into what you love rather than trying to be successful or chase anything mm. this is a topic that really interests me is you know like the whole 
Um, you know, everyone has different approaches with this. You know, I've always been traditionally on the side of like, you know, having more of a routine and habit with music. And like, you know, I kind of have a consist semi-consistent time. And obviously there's always flexibility with anything creative, but you know, I have a semi-consistent time where I kind of work on music and stuff like that. But like, yeah, you, you kind of the way I the way I like to call like refer to it is kind of like scheduled chaos. It's kind of like <laughs> I'm gonna allow myself this block of time to kind of just let whatever happens happen. And, you know, sometimes that breaks, like sometimes I'll have those, those moments of inspiration where I'm like, you know, for example, for my work, I'll make like a YouTube video, um, for here at EDM prod or something. And then I might be halfway through making the project file for like what I'm showing in the tutorial. And then I have an idea and I like spend the next hour, like just like playing around with something randomly that didn't, that I didn't expect to even do. Like yeah. sometimes things happen like that too. So it's definitely like there's benefits to both. Um, but yeah, there's like definitely times where it is good to kind of just let like the boundaries a bit looser, I think. Um, and, yeah, and I, just yeah, enjoy it. I have to say, I also have a schedule, um, which may yeah, sound weird, yeah. um, but I don't force it. So what I, uh, it's might be a really good strategy to tell, talk about what I found works mm. the best for me. I come back to it again and again. I, I, started then i do something else and come back to it is limiting my music production time which means mm -hmm. i usually work four hours on music like actual production is four hours per day maximum yeah so i have two sessions yeah. two, each two hours and i set a timer and when the timer goes off i have to stop yeah so in that time i can do whatever i want if i don't feel like it i can you know just watch netflix or play uh, uh cyberpunk but yeah right when the timer stops i could go on watching netflix or playing cyberpunk but i'm not going to make any music so sure. when i have that so what happens is I, i start the timer i start producing music usually i get into the flow pretty well and usually the timer goes off before i feel anything i still want to go on Right, so the timer goes, and yeah. like, oh, I still want to go on. I'm in the process, but I stop, which keeps me craving making more music. So mm. I have the next session two hours, right? And same thing yeah. again. So I'm always hungry to make more music, if that makes any sense. Because yeah, what right. does work so well is like making music until I'm totally satisfied, you know, or until like, oh, I can't go anymore. And maybe do another session mm. like that. And then the next day, or you can do it for, for some time, but at some point I'll be like, oh, I need a break. Mm, right? Yeah. But um, yeah, there, there are some techniques like that I heard from, from writers. They even, yeah. they stop, they don't finish a sentence. So they start, a, when they, then they stop writing, they start a sentence and they finish it. They, they stop in the middle. So when they come yeah, back, right. know where to start. So they get right back into the flow. So this is a, a little bit of that. Wow. And I usually have time set for that. But I, what I don't mm. do is like forcing myself with finishing sure. songs or with, with even with working. Like there's a time frame and it's usually set. Usually it's right when I stand up. So I stand up at 6.30 and 7 I start. But if I don't feel like it, I don't have to. Sure, yeah. But at, That's nine, interesting. It's, it's at 9 I have to stop. Whatever. Yeah. When I started, when I started, eight thirty. It's just thirty minutes left. Mm. 
I also find like even if you had a good day, let's say for argument's sake, where it's like you know you did, you know, a lot in those two two hour sessions and and you mostly worked on music. I feel like if you know, I, I can't remember where I read this, but like you know, three to four hours of like solid, you know, work at like on, on anything creative. Like I feel like not many more not not many people would be able to do much more than that yes. if they're like honest with themselves. Like I don't I don't understand people if I'm honest who are like I spent eight hours a day in the studio. Maybe there's a way that it works for them, but it's like, well, that's fine to say you spend eight hours in the studio, but like it, it's also fine to say I'm not doing stuff all that all of those eight hours. You know, like the, yeah. you're definitely like checking your phone or watching, you know netflix or something in between because eight hours of solid work in on music is like that's just i, I yeah i don't no, see no. anyone doing that no no, no. <laughs> yeah. not at all and that's more with people i usually yeah. work alone in the studio and i think that's yeah. usually more when you have like a couple of people in the studio and i know that I yeah mean, honestly 70 percent of the time you're talking right yeah exactly socializing you're talking about this you're talking about that where there's nothing wrong about it but the actual time where you're working on music is probably even less than four hours. If even if you have like a eight hour session, then probably your, yes. your net net time that we work on music is probably three hours. Yeah, yeah, that and that's different in a collaborative environment. I would agree. Yeah, because it's it is not you're not all three or whoever is in the studio. You're not all sitting there like doing your own thing for for eight hours. It's like yeah, the environment of maybe one person jumps on and does something, and then you chat for a bit about it, and then someone else does something exactly. and yeah and for me usually those two hours th those two others they feel like 20 minutes it's really i'm starting and I've, yes i completely lose track of like sense of time or anything and it's like timer goes off and like wait what <laughs> uh, yeah just, just, exactly it's really really deep work uh, as people call it yes yeah deep work that's good that's a good one um awesome man now that's fascinating to hear hear your process um yeah, everyone has a different one. There's a great book called Daily Rituals. Um, yeah. I think it's by Mason Curry. That's that's a good example of just how different people's creative schedules are. Like all processes, you know, like some people, I think one guy, I can't remember who it was, literally goes to like the diner across the road from him and like drinks four chocolate milkshakes and then <laughs> writes like like scripts for movies or something. I'm like, wow, good for that guy, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, those kind of things. So. Yeah, I think it's yeah. definitely about finding what works for you and capitalizing on that. So, yeah, yeah what man. I can recommend is try working in uh, early morning to everybody. I always thought yes. I was a night person, but I realized uh, I'm actually working in the very early morning, right after you stand up. Uh, for me, it's key not to to uh, my phone's still on airplane mode when I my phone's yeah. on airplane mode until I finish the second session usually. So standing up. Have a drink, go into the studio. I just, just drink water with lemon juice. Get into the studio, start, start. Because I'm not thinking about anything else really. So the first thing, mm. so it's like the, you know, it's like your computer. You start it up and you have not like a thousand tabs open and hundred programs running in the background. It's just that one program and everything's going really fast and smooth. Mm, that's so true. Yeah, that's that's a whole other thing. The distractions that can come up. Um, while you're making music, like yeah, definitely trying to eliminate those is key um, for yeah. that creative, creative time for sure because they can suck it suck it out of you otherwise. So yeah, man. 
Awesome. This has been a, a really good chat, man. I really appreciate uh, all of these things that you're, yeah, you're elaborating on. Uh, definitely some great advice that I know a lot of people out there can uh, hold on to. Um, Thanks. Yeah. No, of course, man. Um, what is coming up in the next 12 months for the Fat Rat? I have a project which I cannot talk about yet. <laughs> Okay. It's going to be out soon. It's something, yeah, it's something uh, uh, special. I can t- uh, I can tell it's it's something in the NFT space. Um, awesome. I haven't done any NFT so far because it didn't really yeah. fit to what I'm doing. Uh, because sure. I, for me, it's more about like something doing something where everybody can participate rather than selling something for you know fifteen hundred dollars or two yeah. thousand dollars where just a few people can can participate so uh, sure. i have something there uh i have more more news about that soon so this is what i'm working on awesome. then working on more music but i don't, don't have any specific plans about the next releases yet nice well we will uh keep an eye out for that that sounds exciting um awesome man one last question and we ask everyone who comes comes on the podcast this uh, and it is a bit of a trick question, as you may gather when I ask mm. it. But um, if you had a time machine, what would be one thing you could go back and change that happened in your music career or life? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know if there would be anything that I would change. Hmm. That's the right answer. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. No, I don't. I'm sometimes thinking about some things that where I wonder how everything else would have turned out, but I'm simply yeah. at the perfect, like everything came together perfectly in the end. Mm. Um, if it would be early and I'm, I mean, what I thought about sometimes was like, uh, I, I could have spent more energy at the very beginning, finding a great mentor, right? Something, sure. uh, something that really matters to me, but then maybe I never would have become an artist, which turned out to be the perf- perfect thing for me. Yeah. So no, it's just, everything's just right. Everything's just fine. No, it's a, it's a good, it's a good thing to realize. Cause yeah, I think, you know, Everything happens, even if it's negative or I mean, it's a lesson, I think, you know, so um, I can say the same, say that at least for me and I know a lot of people. So it's, yeah, it's just all about learning from what's happening to you right now and, and seeing how you can not make that mistake again in the future. <laughs> also, if I actually had a time machine to change something in the, in the uh, past, yeah. I would never dare to do change anything because you never know yeah. what else would have, like, what Ooh. would be the consequences. You come back and yeah, you realize you're, just... you're a drug addict. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah chaos, like... chaos theory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a whole your yeah because well, like, what I can, I can say about this, for example, it's a lesson that I always remember. My song, "The Calling," it's one of the definitely one of the most uh, more successful that I released. It was originally a remix that I did for another uh, pretty big name artist, and it was turned mm. down. And I said, okay, can I release wow. it as bootleg? It was like, no, we don't want this out at all. And it was, I was so, I loved the remix so much. 
And my wife loved it. I was like, this cannot be real. Why? Right. And then yeah. the end, I was like, okay, cool. I'm just going to uh, record my own, make it turn into my own song. And it was way more successful yeah. than the original song from an actually big artist that I remixed. So, yeah, you never know wow. what it's good for. Yeah, it's like unremixing a song. That's a that's a good yeah. strategy. If, if you're ever yeah. finding yourself in that situation, it's like yeah, remove the other elements, replace them. It's good. Yeah, and I always re always remember yeah. that. I always remember that that you know um, it's, it might be annoying and and frustrating at the moment, but maybe it's going to turn to something much better and bigger later on. Yep, hundred percent, man. That is awesome. Uh, great advice for everyone out there listening. Uh, well, as I mentioned, this has been a pleasure, Christian. Thank you so much for taking time out of your morning and coming and speaking uh, to us. Thanks all. for having me. Uh, <laughs> of course. Um, and where can everybody find you online if they want to check your stuff out, follow you, etc.? cetera? Uh, just search for The Fat Rat, uh, just like The Fat Rat, just in one word. And then awesome. you'll probably just stumble upon my uh, YouTube channel, and you kind can find everything else there. Great. Awesome, man. Thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for having me.